Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Ambody. Got some big news to talk over with you guys quickly uh, before we kind of get to the brief UNT preview that I'm going to do. And then we jump into an interview with Matt Bruni of, uh, as the outgoing uh, publisher of uh, Mean Green 247. And so let's jump right in with the big news, right? Everybody knows the Big 12 taking Cincinnati, taking Houston, taking UCF from the AAC, while also adding BYU to the fold. And the thing about it, when, you know, people ask me, like, am I surprised by SMU being left out? I mean, quite honestly, no. I mean, you look at SMU, they have not won a conference championship in the AAC or any conference championship since the death penalty. And so things, they've made an appearance in CUSA in in, uh, the conference championship game back in 2010. But, you know, this is a program that is on the rise right now. And Texas and Oklahoma sped up realignment and certainly made that move uh, happen and made the college football world uh, move much quicker on the realignment front than anybody would have anticipated. And the thing that SMU that hurts SMU in this situation is they're still working at it, right? They, they need to, you know, continue to recruit. They need to continue to win games and make that move to a conference championship and win one because that hasn't been the case uh, for SMU. And so when you look at the Big 12 deciding to add Cincinnati and UCF, I mean, that one makes sense, right? You know, Cincinnati and UCF have been at the forefront of the conference for pretty much since its inception for the most part, uh, save for some brief moments uh, uh, at the cellar. But Houston, uh, while consistent and and certainly a bowl team most years, they have kind of fallen off. But still, they deliver a little bit more of Texas. They're a big state school. When you look at the three schools they added outside of BYU, they're massive, massive, massive alumni bases. Uh, They're huge state schools, kind of quite honestly commuter schools in a way. And they've also won big and they've won conference championships. And that's what it comes down to when you talk about realignment and SMU um, getting left out this time around. You know, it's it's a um, it's a tough pill to swallow. But I can tell you the Big 12 is not done. And I don't think conference realignment is is done because this has been happening for decades. So whatever it looks like in the future is certainly going to change just like it did Uh, in the past month or so with the news breaking of the SEC adding OU Texas and then the Big 12 making its play. I think for the most part, what SMU needs to do is is be a little bit more proactive with um, getting its message across, uh, owning the fact that they were the bad boys in terms of the death penalty. Uh, The school probably needs to, you know, despite the new logo, needs to look at how it markets itself. It needs to become a little bit cooler. But while all that happens, SMU's got to win big. And I've said this for a while. And, you know, the thing about it is they haven't. 
So that's what it comes down to with Big 12 realignment and any realignment. You know, the outside of OU and outside of Texas going to the SEC in a way, and Missouri in a way going to the SEC, we haven't seen much big moves made that weren't upward moves from schools that are on the rise or schools that are this or schools that are that or, oh, they could be better if they were <clears throat> in a better conference. It hasn't happened. So it's it's fairly simple in terms of what SMU has to do. Sonny Dyke said it best when we talked to him about it. They've got to win and they the clock is ticking. They're on the clock to do that. So a conference championship would go a long way right off the bat to making that a reality when it comes to the next round of realignment and sustaining it and doing what SMU has done, which is get great football coaches. You know, I think in the last three hires, they've moved up the program in that regard, right? You know, the the next hire for SMU, if Sonny Dykes were to leave, would probably be a good one. You know, Rick Hart has made good football hires. The job is going to be even more attractive. I don't think Sonny Dykes is going anywhere anytime soon, but it's certainly... Uh, just something that you have to know that SMU's continue to move up the stature of its program. They've just got to break through and become that program that wins conference championships, that's in the conversation. It's not good enough to just make appearances in the top 25 here or there. And, you know, that's kind of where I stand with it. You know, I think SMU can be a little bit more disruptive, but they've been proactive at the same time you know, staying ready to make pitches. Uh, They've been in conversations with other leagues. They've been able to get in front of those leagues. But when it came down to the Big 12, they made this move and they kind of drove the the bus on it. And it sucks for SMU fans that they're left out right now. But I don't think they're done with the realignment. And I think when it comes around, if things continue to go the way they are for SMU and Sonny Dykes, they're going to be in an even better spot. So there's not too much else to say about it. It's what's done is done. Uh, SMU's continued to raise the bar in terms of its fundraising, in terms of its facilities, getting good coaches, et cetera, et cetera. It just has to break through and win. And that'll capture a larger audience, Dallas, things like that. Dallas loves to support a winner, all the things that we know. So I think everybody needs to, quite honestly, if you're listening to this and you're an SMU fan, step away from the ledge. The AAC got rated of two very very good teams and a and a decent team year in year out with some name brand and you know it hurts the basketball too i mean cincinnati and houston no slouches in basketball as well and ucs been good as well so it's a tough tough day for the aac i do think they're going to think outside the box in terms of who they add next i think they're going to be aggressive in recruiting those schools to uh join the the aac and then they'll go from there but now on to smu north texas and you know, for the most part, I'm not going to say too much on this. It's a it's a program that's breaking in two new schemes. Uh, they beat an inferior opponent in Northwestern State a, a week ago. And pretty similar in a way to how SMU handled Appling Christian, although SMU, I feel like, was a little bit more dominant in terms of how they were able to get on the in the win column. So with that, quite honestly, to learn more about the Mean Green, Uh, I'm going to send it over to myself and Matt Bruni, who uh, now works on the LSU site with me. And we're going to chop it up for a bit about the the SMU Mustangs versus the North Texas Green Wave. So enjoy this interview, and we'll catch you after the game for all your post-game reaction and coverage of SMU's game against North Texas tomorrow night at 6 p.m. in Ford Stadium.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. Joining me now, uh, the former publisher, outgoing publisher of Mean Green 247, Matthew Brunet, now working with me on the LSU site for those who follow that side of our work. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining the pod. We're going to chop it up a little bit on SMU North Texas. But, um, you know, what you started that site, that Mean Green 24-7, you know, you're, you're leaving it now in the hands of John Fields, who the Pony Stampede subscribers will um, hear from in our Q&A on the game. Uh, what was the last few years covering the Mean Green as a student and, and now moving into the the uh, real world uh, like the yeah the, it, it feels like the real world especially since i had to evacuate for a hurricane in my first two weeks at baton rouge it's uh definitely hitting me uh but no yeah it covering north texas the last man what is it five years th- the last three years with 24 7 sports um it was a lot of fun uh, and it was a really eye-opening experience it allowed me to get my feet wet in a lot of different areas whether it's video podcast writing all that stuff so um, invaluable experience, something I'll never forget. Um, I mean, hell, the basketball team making the NCAA tournament and winning a game in there was just unlike anything I've ever seen or been to or covered. So that, that was a lot of fun. And like you said, John Fields taking over for me, I'll still be, you know, it's kind of doing, I'll do, be doing podcasts with him and helping him out on the side as much as I can, even though we are, you know, doing this LSU, um, beat now, which is off to a great start. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it's going to be, it's going to be good. Uh, we, we did a podcast with three, four years ago, I think it was t- before the 2018 game, my first year, uh, which was when S S North Texas beat SMU and then 2019 when SMU beat North Texas. And then last year SMU beat North Texas again. So, uh, it's been a ride and I'm looking forward to this North Texas SMU game, uh, which we'll, we'll get into here soon. Yeah, and, and let's jump right into that. And you mentioned the 2018 game. You know, Sonny Dyke said this week that he uh, he and you know players that were around for that beatdown that they took in in uh, Denton uh, certainly remember it. They're now back on the right side of winning, at least heading into this one. And uh, North Texas was on the right side of winning against Northwestern State, uh, winning 44 uh, to 14 in their season opener, and you know an inferior opponent that they pulled away from in the second half. Uh, what were some of your key takeaways from that one? Uh, the main thing is DeAndre Torrey at running back. Uh, he's a name SMU 
fans might know, will probably know because he's been there the last three years, but he's really stepped up into his role at running back. And even as a pass catcher, um, he looks better than he has in the past three years. And he's had some really good years um, in the past, but this year he looks special. DeAndre Torrey is a guy to watch. Uh, He was the player of the game by far for North Texas last year or uh, last week against Northwestern State, and he just looks different. And so uh, look out for him. And then that quarterback, Jace Ruder, transferred from North Carolina, who was the backup to Sam Howell the past uh, or last year. Uh, he looked pretty good in his opener. Um, I definitely think the quarterback situation is a lot more stable now this year than it was last year when they were, you know, trying to figure things out between Austin Ani and Jason Bean. This year, Jace Ruder comes in, gets the job, beats out Austin Ani. Um, and I think he is the quarterback. Uh, of the future for North Texas. He is an athletic guy. He's a big guy. He's an old guy. I mean, he's basically a third year freshman at this point. So um, Jace Ruder and DeAndre Troy are going to lead the offense. And then on defense, you have Phil Bennett, the new defensive coordinator there who, you know, has a long track record of making some defenses at least passable, like at Baylor when they had Robert Griffin, the third, you know, the offense puts up 40 points and he defense holds them to 28 or whatever, and they win. So that's kind of the hope uh, is that the defense can be passable. And after one week, they looked better. I'm not going to say they looked good, but they looked a little bit better, which is not that hard to do for a defense that ranked 127th in the country last year. Ooh, well, you're coming into two beat or well, leaving one and coming into another beat where the defenses were uh, putrid a year ago. <laughs> SMU fans very familiar with Phil Bennett, uh, coached at SMU, as a head coach for a bit, um, certainly recruited some of the NFL talent that June Jones had to work with. Uh, but this defense that, you know, he had out there against uh, Northwestern State, you know, Seth Luttrell said they missed you know a couple tackles that led to big plays. Mm-hmm. Are they still cleaning things up in terms of, you know, game one tackling? I mean, what did you? What did you make of, of some of the big plays that they gave up? Yeah, I, I think some of it's just tackling. Uh, some of it's just the personnel. I, I don't know if it's elite personnel out there, but I will say it is. They have the pieces to be a to be a top, let's say, top half conference USA defense, which is something that they haven't had. They've had one year under set the trail. Pretty much they for one year, I think it was 2018 was the only year they had or was it 2018? It was where they had an above average defense every other year. They've been below average. So they have the pieces to return to that average to above average status. Um, I really like their linebackers, uh, Katie Davis, um, Larry, um, Larry Nixon, Kevin Wood, Tyreek Davis. Um, and then defensive line is their strongest point. This team, this defense relies on their defensive line. This is no, no doubt about it. It's defensive line is their strongest unit. It's Gabriel Murphy on, and Grayson Murphy on the edge. Uh, twins uh, saw going into their uh, third, second, third or second, second or third season. Man, I'm off the beat for a month and I forget how old these guys are. Um, and then Dion Noville in the middle, who is an NFL caliber player. We just have to see him produce at that level. So Deonoville, it's a four-man front. They also have another defense tackle in there who kind of rotates in and out, uh, Caleb Colvin. But Deonoville and the Murphy twins on the defensive line, that's by far their strongest unit. I would probably say on the team at this moment. So uh, look, that's where the defense starts. And then it progressively, I think, um, has less experience and less talent as you go out on the perimeter. But they, but they have added some pieces, which, which I like a lot. 
Well, the thing about uh, SMU from their first game was wanting to be more physical up front. You know, Sonny Dykes, after reviewing the film, you know, said that he wanted to see more physicality and owning the line of scrimmage. So this will be a, you know, another step up in talent and competition against North Texas with that defensive line that they're going to face. On the flip side of things, North, North Texas is going to spread you out. Uh, Sonny Dykes kind of compared it to the Baylor offenses where they want to make you defend really sideline to sideline. Uh, as far as spreading you out and then running it and, you know, they're going to run it until you stop it. So what differences did you notice in the new scheme offensively? And uh, was the run game, you know, I know it's tough. You know, we kind of talked about this on the LSU side of things. It's tough to see against an FCS opponent, but what did you see uh, as far as that run game that, that makes it uh, really, really tough to defend? Yeah, it was, it was a weird, it was a weird game on offense. I, I can't lie. Uh, last year, was Seth Luttrell's first year and only year, because he's not continuing it, of calling plays on offense. So he did it last year. It, it was pretty much a continuation of what we had known to that point in his first four years. But this year, it's Mike Blesch and Tommy Maynard. So the, the offensive line coach and the receivers coach calling the plays pretty much as co-offense coordinators. Um, and I'm, obviously Luttrell has input, yes, but it felt very different from any game, I would say, that I've seen covering North Texas under Seth Luttrell. Um, it was a run first run heavy scheme. It was DeAndre Torrey getting a lot of the carries. And then it was the other two running backs. I think they had 43 uh, carries between the running backs against Northwestern state, which again, they had a lead, but in years past, they were still throwing the ball plenty against any team that they played. There wasn't I, 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 I probably should look it up the last time they had over 40 carries in a game. It probably was when Jeffrey Wilson was, was there, but um, they ended up with 46 carries the running backs did. And so that was really unique. Um, I think they're going to run the ball this year more than they ever have. It's the best offensive line that Seth Charles had in his tenure. Um, and if DeAndre Torrey looks as good as he did last week, then I think they have a real shot at being a, run first team that can play off of that really well because they do have they do have talent in the receiving room uh, some of the receivers didn't play last week uh the talented ones uh that is like the top end ones but we saw a little bit of tommy bush georgia transfer former four-star jair shorter got some snaps uh didn't play in the second half i don't think but then you have deontay simpson uh pretty high rated three-star um and you just have some pieces around that that open it up for an offense that should be very very potent however we didn't see a lot of that last week. We we saw one 45-yard uh, touchdown uh, to Roger, or it wasn't even a touchdown, but it was a completed pass to Roderick Burns. But other than that, it was very vanilla, mundane, run the ball. We're going to just continue to pound it, pound it, pound it against an FCS team, which is cool because you can do that. But to beat SMU and to beat anybody on their schedule, which they have a pretty difficult schedule in this uh, month, uh, you're going to have to – be, you're going to have to be able to take the top off the teams. And they didn't show that very much against Northwestern State. And meanwhile, SMU, their receiving core looked very strong against uh, Abilene Christian. A lot of big plays down the field. Tanner Mordecai sets a single game passing touchdown, Mark. Yeah. You mentioned that the secondary, uh, you know, as you move back into the back end of the defense, probably is, is one that you're less confident in than the defensive line. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, how does North Texas – keep pace with SMU, you know, Brent, Brett Vito, who's covered that team for a long time. You know, he's picked North Texas, a kind of a good bit of the time, you know, uh, in this, in this, in this matchup, even he couldn't pick North Texas this year. 
Uh, what's your take on how this game plays out and, and maybe a prediction? Yeah, man. yeah. To, to get Brett Vito to pick against North Texas, man, that, that takes that takes some work. I don't know. I don't know if SMU slid him some money or something on the side, but that that took some <laughs> takes some work. Um, <laughs> that's interesting. Um, but yeah, the, the the secondary, to be specific, um, has some pieces that I think they can work with. But good lord, they it's gonna be just night and day going against Reggie Robertson and and Gray and Danny Gray from SMU. It's gonna be a big step up. And we saw last year what it looked like. But I do, like I said before, I think the defense is better than last year, but still you're just going up against an offense that has that much firepower. It uh, it's gonna it would take a massive overhaul defensively to be able to cover them consistently and to be able to keep the pass game under wraps for SMU. So um, I, I don't really think that they're going to be able to do that. Um, we'll get into it later on. I think there are ways for North Texas to make this a competitive game and to, you know, have maybe, maybe even a chance to win it down the stretch, but uh, it's not going to be by stopping or shutting down Reggie Robertson and and Gray. Like I, I don't see that as even a possibility. To if, if I'm being honest, like uh, they have talent, good, good, decent Conference USA corners and decent Conference USA safeties, but this SMU offense is just going to be uh, just so too much, too much for for us for North Texas secondary. Which, which then it comes back to the defensive line, you know, like, like I said, defense line is going to have to really dominate the game. And I think they have the potential to, but uh, that's asking a lot uh, of them. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough sledding for, for North Texas against SMU. Just, you know, I, I think the run game is probably uh, their best bet, you know, run the football well to set up the pass and open things up. You know, SMU's kind of got some banged up corners. Sounds like they're going to play Jahari Rogers and Brandon Crosley from what Sonny Dyke said. But still, if, if SMU is without them or they're a little nicked up still, you know, maybe North Texas can run the ball and, you know, open up some things in the passing game and, and make this one a high scoring affair, which we've seen from time to time. I've got SMU winning this one 45 21. Uh, I think that's probably a good number. I mean, I, whether SMU pulls away or whether they just control it from start to finish remains to be seen, at least in my prediction. But I think SMU is going to put up a lot of points. I thought they looked um, efficient enough. I think Tanner Mordecai still needs to get rid of the ball just a little bit quicker. But, you know, first game, uh, you know, Abilene Christian threw a lot of blitzes at them, kind of some delayed looks. I'm interested to see if North Texas tries that. Uh, but I just think too much offensive firepower and SMU gets it done uh, in a in a pretty clean win over the mean green. Yeah, the – like I said, the, the only way North Texas can compete in this game, in my opinion, is, is to make it a shootout. And obviously, I don't think they have a chance at stopping SMU personally. I don't think they have a chance at holding them under 40 points. So it's going to take scoring 40 points at least to be competitive in this game. And I think that there's a potential to do that. I think that there is a slight chance that they can do that. Um, however, that's going to have to, they're going to have to break big plays in the run game and in the pass game. I think DeAndre Torrey is going to have to have just light it up on the ground for North Texas, break some big runs, 30 yard runs, 25 yard runs on a couple of occasions to, and I don't, I think that they're going to be able to run the ball, but it's consistently running the ball. And I don't think they're going to be running the ball to chew clock. You know, it's not going to be like this running the ball. Like, all right, we ran the ball. We got a first down. All right, let's run it down to like two on the clock. 
run it for three yards, run it for four yards, get another first, kill the clock. They're not going to be trying to kill the clock, I don't think. That would be something we've really never seen from North Texas. Um, so that'll be interesting. But I think North Texas can put up some points. And I'm definitely not saying uh, this prediction is definitely not as a uh, North Texas home or anything. I'm, I'm looking at this game just completely on a surface. I mean, for anybody who's cover, seen my coverage in North Texas, I've basically – uh, pick them to lose a lot over the past year and a half. So uh, um, <laughs> I, I'm taking SMU 45 to 35, and I think it's going to be somewhat competitive until the fourth quarter. I think it's going to be pretty competitive until the fourth quarter. I, I really think they cover the 22. I think it's a 22 and a half point spread. Um, I think North Texas scores enough to cover that. I think they're going to offensively be be able to 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 put up 28 points or so so unless they go up and give 65 like they did last year then uh, then i think they can cover it okay well uh when i post this podcast i'll be sure to keep you in the loop on how many people call you a homer anyway but um, no, we we appreciate getting your insight on the team some changes to set latrell's program for the 2021 season you covered it very well so thank you for joining the pony stampede podcast thank you guys for listening to this edition we'll check back with all your coverage on PonyStampede.com, including including recruit visitor reactions and the visit list, who's going to be on campus for this one, uh, and obviously your full coverage of the game from myself and Liam Fitzgibbon on PonyStampede.com. So, Matt, thanks for joining the pod, and we'll catch everybody next week with another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening, and have a good weekend. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.